wait a minute, they're paying you a lot and you don't have to work a lot? That may be an issue in Costa Rica. Here in the States, we call that the American dream. What it is, what it do, this is Rambling, your weekly Rams podcast that gives you insight of the team and news from around the NFL. I'm your host and team reporter, Serena Morales, coming at you from beautiful Agora Hills, California, as we head into week one, numero uno of the NFL regular season. Joining me today, he's a staple on ESPN. He joined the network in 1997, although he looks 21 to me. You probably know him from his work on NFL Live or currently on ESPN Radio, hosting Golik and Wingo in the morning, which is impressive, Trey, because you are not... Not a morning person. Trey Wingo, welcome to the pod. <laughs> Serena, you are 100% correct, but hey, we do what we must, and it was, it's great to talk to you. It was great to run into you, Los Angeles, earlier this year. We were out there, so delighted to be with you. Yeah, man. And so, wait, because I was when I was doing Sports Center, I had to wake up at like 3 o'clock in the morning. I was in at 4. Do you do, do you do four hours and four hours? Do you sleep and then stay up for games? How do you do your sleep sitch? Yeah, that's uh, that's uh, 22 months in. That's still a work in progress. We're still, we're still trying to navigate the best way on that, but we're trying all kinds of things. It's ridiculous. I hear you. Um, big news coming out of the Rams. Uh, Jared Goff, I'm sure you've heard of him before. He got a contract yeah. extension here, um, which makes him QB1. And don't forget the Tyler Higby extension yes. as well. Bravo to both of them. Um so, so that keeps Jared at least here till 2024. I know you've seen a lot of contracts come and go in the NFL. So what are your thoughts on Jared Goff getting this done? And I want to say this, preface, preface uh, especially before a guy like Dak Prescott. Right. Well, look, what I find interesting about the move, uh, a couple of things. The Rams over the last few years have been very proactive with contracts, right? The Aaron Donald contract, the Brandon Cooks contract, now the Jared Goff contract. And people are like, well, how, could, how are they able to do this? Listen, any smart GM, and Les Need is certainly one of them, understands what's at stake here and understands the windows you have when everybody is basically in the, in the primes of their careers. But there's another thing that allows these contracts to make sense is that all these extensions go past the 2020 season. Now, why is that significant? Well, the 2020 season is going to be the end of the current collective bargaining agreement between the players and the owners. And in fact, we've already started negotiations, and unlike the lockout of 2011, I think this thing is going to get done. It's going to get done early, and I don't think there's going to be uh, as nearly as much bitterness. And the reason there's not going to be any as much bitterness, you know what helps bitterness? Money. <laughs> and there's going to be a bleep ton, use the poop emoji, money coming into the NFL under this new CBA because they're going to time it with all the television rights, which means ESPN, Fox, NFL Network. CBS and NBC are going to want to re-up at the same time. In an in, in industry and television where it's very hard to find what viewers will latch on to, there's only one proven commodity that they will, and that's the NFL. I think for the last three or four years, Sunday Night Football on NBC has been the number one rated show in primetime. And again, that's not just the number one rated sports show, the number one rated show in primetime. So those revenues aren't going down. They've also, the NFL, has never, ever sold their streaming rights. And that is, to quote George Costanza, or rather Jerry Seinfeld, talking about George Costanza, that's a pretty big matzo ball hanging out there, okay? <laughs> so the Rams and other teams like Carson Wentz's deal and all the deals the Cowboys have done 
are, are doing these deals knowing, hey, this looks like we're spending a lot of money now, but wait till you see how much money we'll have coming in in about a year and a half. Is that where the players are all like, damn, I should have just waited that little extra time before this got done? Yeah, I mean, look, it's hard to turn down guaranteed money efforts of $30 million to a lot of people, but you're right. I mean, the, the one thing we can say with great certainty is that the one thing that isn't going down the dollars that people are putting into uh, the NFL. I'll give you an example. The Colts just confirmed today that they turned down a bid, turned down a bid uh, that someone offered uh, Jim Irsay, the owner, $3.2 billion for the team. It was just last year that David Tepper, the Carolina new owner, paid $2.3 million. And in less than a calendar year, someone was willing to pay almost a billion extra for the Colts. So I have bad news for all the people that says football's in trouble because the business is booming. Speaking of which, we can talk about Antonio Brown if you want. Oh, we will get to him in just a bit. Um, I will stick to the Rams because they're gearing up to play the Carolina Panthers for week one. And for the first time since 2016, Aaron Donald, who you mentioned, has had an entire training camp to prepare. So the real question is, if you were Cam Newton... How mobile do you really want to try and be this weekend? <laughs> well, you know, I, I think at this point, if he's dealing with a sprained foot and they think he's going to be good, if I'm Cam Newton and I know, you know, the Superman thing and he's running around, do the Peyton Tom Brady thing. Mm-hmm. Fall down. Yeah. Okay. When you see big number 99 coming at you, you know, he won't have his plastic knives that he works out with in the off season, <laughs> but he'll be coming as if he has the plastic knives. Fall down. Because, I'm a little upset at Aaron, actually, if I, if I can be honest about yeah. it. Because Aaron Donald has proven over the last two years that this whole training camp thing, yo, it ain't for everybody. All he's done is come in and win the back-to-back NFL Defender of the Player of the Year, not having taken a single snap or a single practice drill yeah. before game one. So, Aaron, man, you were good. I get it. I respect the fact that you got the contract. You're a team player. Man, ride that thing. Say, yo, coach, I got a hammy. Uh, I'll see you week one. And I'm sure they'd be, hey, big guy, whatever you need. Right. Well, I mean, I think I think AB tried to, going from AD to AB, I think he tried to pull that with the feet and then the helmet and then who knows what happened with Antonio Brown. But now he is suspended. And that's yeah. all because he's complaining to the GM. And it's like $54,000 that that costed him to complain. How do you, how yeah. do you fix that relationship, my friend? Like, what do you do? What, what, what happens? Honestly, that's a really good question. And I, I think the Raiders are trying to wonder if they can't fix it at this point. I think part of the, the idea of the suspension is remember when he left Pittsburgh and went to the Raiders, as our own Lewis Riddick said brilliantly on our show, he went from zero to 30 as in zero guaranteed dollars to $30 million in guaranteed money in the contract. And by suspending him, I can promise you that the Raiders are looking into finding ways to recoup this money if they think it's all going to go south, and that's a big part of this. And let's be honest about that part of it, right? He was upset about a $54,000, by the way, which they had every right to do because he missed things. He missed a walkthrough before a game. I mean, come on. That's the easiest thing in the world to get there for. So he's upset now about the $54,000 fine, and it may end up costing him upwards of $30 million. That's That's just not smart in any way, shape, or form. And and I guess with Antonio Brown, when people show you who they are, believe them, right? Because this is why he's no longer in Pittsburgh. (laughs) And I I can tell you, I heard stories going back four, five years ago. We were in training camp uh, with the the Steelers on NFL Live. 
and I went to return my rental car. And, you know, everybody in Pittsburgh is so pro Steelers. It's great. They love their team. They love their team. It represents their city so well. And they're like, yeah, man, you know, Antonio Brown's in here all the time, and he never pays us back for the car rentals. We had to go after his agent to get the car rental fee. Wow. I mean, you know, it's just whenever you have money, whatever you were before is only going to be sort of magnified. And AB has been showing us for a while who he is. And I honestly feel kind of bad about it because this is, I think we have to be clear about this point. This is an unbelievable talent. I mean, yeah. the list of people that have had six straight hundred catch seasons in the NFL is Antonio Brown, and that's the list. I mean, even for all his craziness last year, right, when it was nuts, and he didn't show up for the last game of the regular season, which was a must-win for them, he still had over 100 catches and I think had the most receiving touchdowns in the NFL. So, you know, maybe he's one of those guys that works well in conflict, but he's really throwing away an opportunity to put on a gold jacket one of these days as a hall of famer. And I, I hope for his sake, honestly, that someone can get to him and sort of straighten this thing out for his best interest. You almost look at someone like Mike Tomlin, who's, you know, handled him so well, you know, if this was the actual AB that has always been, you know, like I look at Sean McVay and I'm like, he always takes the, like he takes it on his own to mask any issues that would be in a locker room, you know, and, and they're also big yeah. on drafting more guys that are character based versus performance based. Um, yeah. And that being said, you know, you look at the Steelers and you're just like, wow, how did no one really see this happening the entire time? Well, I think, I think they did, but they realized how good he was. Right? I mean, right. like, the, the, the whole thing in the NFL, no matter where you are, there's two things. The, the better you are, the more people are going to put up with. And winning, as we like to say, is the ultimate deodorant. Man, you could put up with some guy who's an absolute bleepity bleep bleep <laughs> as long as he's helping you win and he's doing his part. It, notice all the stuff happens when you lose. Like the, the, the Antonio Brown meltdown last year began. Remember the Steelers started 7-2. and two. They started 7-2. and two. They put up a 50-burger on Carolina. I think in a Thursday night game. And then after that, I think they won one or two more games and that was it. And lo and behold, when the winning stops, everybody says, yeah, well, that's not working. And that's not working. So that's how that's always masked. Yeah. And of course, everybody's going to take a chance on him because every coach, if they're honest with themselves, will look at that guy and say, I can fix him. He'll be different with me. And you know what? So far, that has not been the case with Antonio Brown. No. The, the thing is, and speaking of money and, and guys that do do the right things, we've got a guy, Aaron Donald, who's been doing pretty much everything right and showed up to camp and didn't really need camp the past two seasons before. Um, there was a recent article that went up on ESPN. Um, you actually retweeted this, 32 bold NFL sure. predictions, and you had said one of them was not that bold. Were you referring to Aaron Donald breaking the sack record this season? Well, I, I, I sort of was. The, the actual first one I was referring to was Ezekiel Elliott's in the league, the league in rushing. And like every year he's been there for the majority of the season, that's happened. So I just feel like that was that bold. Totally. But no, I thought he was going to do it last year. Yeah. And the fact that he's doing it as an interior defensive lineman. Look, you know, people can say what they want about who their favorite player is and who they like and who they think is the best. There's no debating, in my mind, who the best player in the NFL is. And he's been that guy for three years and that's Aaron Donald. And when I say that, what I'm saying is I believe he is better at his position by a larger margin over everybody else that plays his position than anybody else in the NFL. Like, you know, hey, Tom Brady's the GOAT. Yeah, that's cool, but you can make, make an argument that over the last three years, 
Aaron Rodgers has been better. Or you can make an argument that absolutely last year Patrick Mahomes was the best quarterback in football by far. Who, by the way, is still learning how to play the position, and he put up 50 touchdown passes. There is no argument. There is no argument that you can make that's logical that says there's anyone close to being as good at what they do in the NFL than Aaron Donald is at what he does. Our buddy uh, Ryan Clark had talked about Aaron Donald on the first podcast we had, and he was just like, if you go to Thanksgiving dinner and there's no turkey, you're going to be like, where's the turkey? Like, if there's no Aaron Donald, you'd be like, yo, I didn't. I didn't come here and not have Aaron Donald. Like, you need him. Like, he, right. there's no one else that you can replace and be like, oh, that's okay. We'll just have, like, stuffing. We won't have anything else. Like, you need the turkey. Yeah. Aaron Donald is the turkey yeah. at Thanksgiving. He's the, he's the whole he's the whole package. He is such a disruptor. And, you know, the other thing, we all get enamored in the sack thing. And, like, a, like a tackle can have a really good game, and then he gives up a sack. People are like, oh, you played loud. <laughs> not just that. Aaron is in the backfield all the time. He's tremendous against the run. And the funny thing about him is he's not a, like a massive human being. I mean, he's big, don't get me wrong, but he's what, 6'2", 290, 295? Yeah, he's not that big. Like when I stand no. next to him, I'm like, wow, you got a lot of muscles, but he's not tall or like, right. he's not a Michael he, Brockers. No, exactly. He's not a space eater. He's just a freakish athlete who is better at what he does than anybody else is. And it's really a joy to watch. Just even some of the drills that the Rams put up on their social feed over the summer. I was like, my God, tell me that sped up at like two times because there's no way a guy that big can move that fast. I know. I've seen it firsthand. Um, so other news around the NFL, Zeke, he got paid. Uh, yeah. I don't know. It seems like there's no right way or wrong way to handle these contracts in the NFL, right? Like looking back at Le'Veon Bell, now you got Zeke, next Melvin Gordon. Like what What are – these things are so complicated. Somebody's going to pay him eventually. Someone should. Well, yeah, the, the thing – I feel really bad for Melvin because he's a good player, yeah. but he's not Zeke, you know? I mean, like – and the other thing for him is that – the offense for the Chargers, if we're allowed to talk about that other team in Los Angeles on this podcast, <laughs> uh, briefly, let's <laughs> forgive me for this next 30 seconds. You know, the, the offense for the Chargers runs through Phillip Rivers, and Melvin Gordon is a really nice complement to that. Mm. In Dallas, as long as he has been there, the offense runs through Ezekiel Elliott, and Dak and everybody else is a really nice complement to that. So to me, Zeke was in a very unique position where he knew his value to the team. The team knew his value to the team, and I, I, I said since June, and I, you know, I, I get a lot of things wrong, so I'm going to take credit when I get one right. That there was no way he was missing game checks, and there was no way that Jerry Jones was going to repeat history because in '93, Emmett Smith was coming off a Super Bowl season and a rushing championship, and they were playing hardball with him. Well, they played the first two games of the year, and they went 0 and 2, and lo and behold, amazingly. Emmett Smith got everything he wanted before week three. And I, I felt like that was going to happen here, and that's exactly what happened here. Um, by the way, the Rams must have something against the Cowboys because the girly contract was a huge sticking factor in getting this Ezekiel Elliott deal done. And now you went and dropped the Carson Wentz contract on him when they're trying to get Dak done. And I'm sure Dak's people are going to say, hey, that's cool. Let's talk about what I'm going to be making now based on that $110 million in guaranteed money. Yeah, it is actually a fun, it's a fun little rivalry. They practice up in Oxnard. Well, we've, we played them in preseason every year. Played them in Hawaii this year, yeah. Never a bad idea, going uh, to Hawaii. No, never a bad idea. I, I did not complain once on that trip. Um, do you feel like because of your job that you should be the best in all of your fantasy football leagues? <laughs> or or cool. is it pure chaos every year? 
No, uh, listen, I have one goal every year in fantasy football, and that's to somehow, some way, find a way to beat Matthew Barry in our head. head. <laughs> because, you know, we always give up. Matthew, you have one job, man. Come on, you got one job. You got to do this fantasy thing. And he, he plays along, to be fair. He's great about it. But, like, there was a game, there was a matchup, I think, in our, in our league, like, four years ago, where I just destroyed him. With like scrubs, like I had Eddie Royal catch three. I think Eddie Royal for the Chargers caught three touchdown passes in that game, and like that should never happen, right? I was playing Red Eddie Royal out of desperation because everyone else was hurt, like week five of the season, and he puts that up, and I beat him by like seventy points. I think that's still the screensaver on my working computer. <laughs> uh, I, th- I think I think we called it the Barry beatdown. And Matthew, of course, is great, and he's look. He's created this whole industry. Basically, he's been unbelievable. So every year I have one goal. Whenever our matchup is there, I got to find a way to beat Matthew Barry. Otherwise, I'm I'm like everybody else. I'm just I'm hoping. Same, same. I might. I had to auto draft because I was in the middle of a press conference yesterday. Ooh, auto draft! Yeah. That's the devil in a lot of people's eyes. Oh, totally. I mean, if you have any, I was really just going to show my phone to Field at some point and hope that he could help me figure this out. <laughs> but I was cover, I was actually covering football and messing up my fantasy football. So. Is the life. <laughs> All right, Matt, what do we got? We are moving on to Serena's social segment. <laughs> I don't know what that was, but I liked it. <laughs> what you got for us, Serena? Okay, so um, Facebook uh, has launched a dating app. I don't know if you saw this. Um, Facebook's... Well, used to be right, like from high, it was high school, college groups, and it was all cool to be on Facebook. And now it kind of transitioned to like where your grandparents like are sharing yes. memes and 100%. cooking videos. Yeah. So yeah. the fact that they're looking to having a dating aspect to their social media program, um, do you think they're trying to like challenge the reigning senior dating service our time, like? Is, is, that, is that the senior one? I mean, like, am I supposed to know that? Yeah. Am I? Yeah. I'm going to take your word for it, Serena, uh, on a, for, a, for a variety of reasons. Uh, I, I don't swim in the Facebook waters anymore. So I, I look, hey, whatever you got to do, right? Because let's be honest, it's been a rough couple of years for Facebook on a, on a lot of levels. So sure. hang in there, Mark Zuckerberg, and sleep on those billion-dollar mattresses. But uh, things, things have not been swimming. I, I, don't, I don't swim in those waters anymore. But, hey, if they want to do the dating app, you bet. Best of luck to them. Do you have a horror story when it comes to dating? Like way back in the day? Young, yeah, like young you, Trey. Don't, you, don't, uh, you don't understand how long ago <laughs> you're talking about. Okay? So, I mean, like, I, I would say my entire high school, like, existence was a horror story, uh, for, for lack of a better term. Like, I'm 6'3 now, right? Yeah. When I was a junior in high school, I was 5'9". Yeah. Okay. If, if I showed you, I still have it. I don't know how I still have it, but I still have my original driver's license. You would be like, dude, they took your milk money every day, like every day. Oh, <laughs> it was, it was horrendous. You never want to be a late bloomer in high school as a guy, because the whole PE thing is a nightmare. I think I was five so, four until junior year. So. <laughs> yeah. And then I, I mean, I grew two inches in college. Okay. Which is unheard of. So not unheard of, but very rare. So I'd be like, I came back and like they were like, "Who are you?" And I'm like, "Hey, how are you?" It was a totally different dynamic. So we we don't need to just know that it was all awful. It was all awful. I'm sure. 
One thing that you probably do remember from your high school days um, was your flip phone. Actually, you didn't even have a flip phone in high school, did you? Okay, Serena, just so you understand, we had something called a rotary phone, okay? Oh, there, there's a great, there's a great, I can't remember who put it out there on Twitter. Was, uh, it, they, it was, he had two kids that are, I think were in their early teens, let's say 13 to 15 in, the, in this range. And he had, you have opened this box and in the box was a rotary phone. And they said, you have five minutes to figure out how to dial this number. And they had no idea. Like, how do you do this? What do you, do you pick up the receiver? Do you spin all the way? Do you, I, they had no idea how to dial a rotary phone. And that's when I know I'm officially on, what is it, the Our Time site? Yeah. That's you, where I am. That's where you are. <laughs> um, yeah. They're bringing back the flip phone. So Nokia is bringing back with a 4G system a flip phone. And I actually, I'm all about this. Like, I think this is like the, we're going to just go backwards, right? Like somehow, some way, like things just got too fast for us and technology. So it's actually, we're going to move backwards. That's why Facebook has a dating phone. I mean, I'm cool with it. Like one of the best phones I ever had was an old flip phone. I loved everything about it. It was an old Motorola. You open it up and it says, hello, Moto. It was just great. (laughs) I mean, I love that phone. I, I, you know, and I like having an actual keypad to hit you know instead of a virtual one i love i love the old flip phone I'm, i'd be good with it plus there's only two things on planet earth that can survive a nuclear explosion cockroaches and the old nokia phones so <laughs> there you go be so I, because i learned phone. something today uh, um is there any possibility that you could be too bored at your job and um quit because um there was news that this manager of the costa, costa rica, rica yeah yes. the costa rica soccer manager <laughs> first of all okay I, I have so many questions about this right like, first and foremost, wait a minute, they're paying you a lot and you don't have to work a lot? That may be an issue in Costa Rica. Here in the States, we call that the American dream, you know? That's the whole point. That's the whole point. I mean, I respect the hell out of his honesty. I'm like, kudos to you, sir. But have you ever been to Costa Rica? It's a nice place. Yeah. Yeah, he, did, he I mean, the, I mean, the direct quote was, "I didn't know, uh, I didn't know being a national team manager was so boring." I'm like, "What? Yeah. How?" Yeah. <laughs> and in Costa well, I, Rica, I think, to your I point, think he was saying, "Yeah, I think he was saying like, I don't see, I don't get the players enough because they're doing those other things, and then we come together, and there's not enough." But dude, I mean, it's working for you, okay? Yeah. Well, you can't find a hobby. You can't like take a second job and be like an Uber driver. I'm sure there's some way you could still milk this for all it was worth. I just feel bad that, that he, he didn't think about this all the way through and, and maybe work this to his advantage. For sure. Smarter. So you're saying they have an opening. They have an opening. Yeah. <laughs> maybe I'll go Costa Rica. Hey, let's check it out. I'll see you guys two weeks a year. Then I'll be on the, what is it? The Papagana coast or whatever up there, play a little exactly. golf, a little surfing. Then we'll come back together and work on some, you know, shootouts. Speaking of, if not for football, the American football, not the soccer football. Um, yeah. If not for football, what would you? What would you do? What if you? What would you be doing if it didn't exist? Well, that's a tough one. Uh, I've loved football my whole life. I've never. I've, I've loved it. I've, I've never been any good at it, but I've loved it. I mean, I was a kid growing up. I would like watch games and play that kind of stuff. So I've. You know, people always say to me, hey, who do you like in the booth? And who do you like this? And I'd be like, I don't care, man. I'm watching the game. Like, mm-hmm. you're asking the wrong guy. You know, like, you have me because there's an oblong pigskin. That's what I'm <laughs> interested in. Um, I, I will say, having been very fortunate to spend a lot of time in Maui, if I had to do it all over again, I'd like to do something with the ocean, like oh. a marine biologist, an oceanographer, I don't know, something like that. Because 
I am fascinated by what we don't know uh, that covers two-thirds of the planet and how deep it is. I mean, they're, they're finding stuff every day. Well, we didn't know that was down there. We didn't know that was down there. You know, People are talking about space and what's out there, which is cool. There's a lot of stuff a lot closer that we know nothing about, and it, I find that part of it fascinating. Are you a good swimmer? Well, I mean, I'm not going to set any Olympic records, but yeah, whenever I'm out there, I'm in the water every day, whether it's surfing, paddleboarding, uh, doing whatever. I, I just enjoy being in the water. And I, I firmly believe that the, the salt water on the planet does have like mystical healing powers. Like I, if you're having a bad day, someday, go sit in the water for 20 minutes, swim around, you'll feel better. I promise you. So like whenever I'm somewhere where the water's around, I have to get in every day. Water, good. Sun, yeah. not so good. We have the screen for that. We have the screen for that, yeah. All yeah. right, well, thanks. The marine biologist, Trey Wingo, I like that. That's a good... Uh... Well, I mean, that would require a lot of, like, study. So, like, in theory, that sounds great, but then one class in, I'd be like, oh, my head hurts. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Uh, well, I appreciate you having uh, joining us today on the on the pod, Trey. Appreciate you, my hey. friend. Not a problem. It was great to run into you guys over the summer. Whatever you need, always good to talk to you. I'll see you at Brennan soon then. You got it. <laughs>